0: and welcome in to episode 22 here the grind on sports i'm wayne kaiser alongside my teammate Uh, the one and only Ben Metz, and to my left, maybe you're right, uh, would be the voice of the Maribel Scots, Heath Dunkel. Uh, He he has a lot of other titles. He is the uh, proprietor and owner of Two Hop Sports. He's also part of the Alcoa football broadcast there in the fall. But, uh, Mr. Heath, uh, a lot of different hats, but here we're going to talk about your story. How's it going, man?
1: Good, man. How are you guys doing?
0: We're doing good. We're doing good. Uh, uh I know you're a busy man. Uh if you follow you on social media, uh we know you're a busy man. Uh but a lot going on there and uh uh kind of background a little bit on what we're doing here is uh I, especially in the media realm I don't know that anybody uh gets the you don't see many 30 for 30s on media guys. Uh you don't you don't see the story of how they got where they got. Uh and I think ultimately that's a cool story for whatever that is. If it's a sport, uh, if it's a media member, if it's, uh, I mean, honestly, teachers and, and any any walk of life, people don't get places by happenstance or accident. And so I, I kind of like to expose that a little bit, uh, what opportunities, what breaks went your way uh, to get you to where you are with Maryville College and also uh, Alcoa, the, the, the eight-time defending uh, state champion. So a uh, big, big-time record there for them. Uh, but uh, we'll just kick it off uh, – uh, again, we can start as early. I mean, we probably don't need any toddler stories, but uh, we can start <laughs> as early as you want to, man. With uh, with your story there, and uh, and just let's take it from the from the top. Where where did the the broadcasting thing start for Mister Heath Uncle?
1: Yeah, so I think uh, for a long time, Wayne, uh, growing up as a kid, and I'm sure many kids kind of operate the same way that are in sports. The, the thought, the goal was to play professionally in, in one of them, um, whether that be football or basketball or baseball. Those are really kind of my three main sports. I did some other stuff with track as well, but kind of focused on those three. And as I got older, starting to figure out a little bit more where my direction took me. But um, right uh, before my junior year of high school, I switched positions to wide receiver. I had previously been a quarterback and I uh, wanted to give wide receiver a try and uh, went to the University of Texas football camp uh, right after they had won the national championship. And so I uh, got to take a picture with Mac Brown and the national championship trophy, which was a really cool experience, um, but also um, that, that trip and that camp was a pretty humbling experience as well, as all of the athletes around me um, were way better <laughs> than I was. And I got a, a rude awakening that Um, professional football was not in my future and so it motivated me to work harder at the high school level um, to continue to bring that work ethic that I learned at that camp back with me uh, to Heritage High School where I played for the Mountaineers Um, but eventually had to kind of determine what that next step was after high school and so um, when as I got near the end of my senior year um, there was a maybe a few small opportunities looking at NAIA, maybe Division three, if I wanted to try to go somewhere and play football, but ultimately I knew that that wasn't going to be a career, and so trying to make a decision on what that next step was, and so decided if I couldn't play sports, I'd love to talk about them, so went to UT uh, at the University of Tennessee, got a degree in journalism and electronic media uh, with an emphasis on broadcasting and started to Really kind of developed my skills uh, at the collegiate level, um, but was able to do broadcasting at that point in time early in that career, as you know, starting to really get into the high school realm of broadcasting with uh, different teams in Blunt County.
0: So so Heath, one thing you left off about your college career, because I think this is a pretty cool thing. So you yeah. weren't just, you weren't a one trick pony. It wasn't just journalism. <laughs> you were also, uh, you got, got a little voice on you, uh, mm-hmm. don't you? You were in the the Singers, right?
1: I was. um, So I was in uh, Heritage Singers in high school, and it's kind of funny how that worked out. So I was in the band and uh, played football in middle school and wanted to be on the drum line at Heritage and also play football. But unfortunately, being able to do both wasn't really an option at at Heritage at the time. Uh, Coach really wanted us to focus on football. And so uh, my homeroom teacher happened to be the choir director, and one of my friends told him that I could sing. And he said you can, well, you you should join men's choir. And I said, well, I said, I'm okay. No, I don't don't think so, that's not for me. And he said, no, you really should. You should join men's choir, just give it a shot. And I said, no, I'm okay. And he said, i tell you what, if you take take men's choir, you don't have to take art class. And I said, okay, well, I guess I'm signing up for men's choir this year. So I signed up for men's choir, fell in love with music, uh, singing-wise, I'd already obviously loved it, playing the drums, but I fell in love with it and got to really enhance my voice Um, And I think that's where also I kind of grew as a broadcaster, just in building my voice and getting stronger and learning the importance of taking care of it as well as a musician. And so um, learning that through Heritage. And then as I was kind of figuring out that next step in college, I would go to not only for broadcasting. um, I got an opportunity as one of our student teachers at Heritage was in the University of Tennessee Singers, which was a jazz ensemble. And uh, he went to his choir director and they reached out and uh, I had an audition. And next thing I knew, I was. the university of tennessee singers so i got to college and um, got to do that Uh, It was pretty pretty busy time in my life from uh, work at serving tables to school to tennessee singers and and broadcasting and then uh, on top of that also um, i loved uh, choir so much i got heavily involved in it through college so most semesters i was actually in three choral groups so i was in uh, the tennessee singers um, i was in men's choir and also Uh, one of the founding members of the Tennessee men's a cappella group, Volume, um, a play on words, if you will. And uh, I was the uh, vocal percussionist, or as some of us like to call it, the beatboxer for the group.
0: (laughs) You guys were pentatonics before pentatonics.
1: I think it was probably around close to the same time. The sing-off was kind of going on through college. But, uh, yeah, we we wanted to give it a shot, and we asked our, our car director at the time who was new, at Tennessee, my freshman year, if we could try it, and so he held auditions. And um, honestly, at the time, uh, I thought maybe I could do a little bit of beatboxing, but I didn't really know exactly what I was capable of. And so I um, just kind of gave it a whirl and ended up developing it pretty quickly. And kind of became the beatboxer for the group as time went on, like full time. Originally, it was two of us, and then after that first semester, he kind of dropped off, and I stayed with the group. Yeah. I I don't
0: know that there's anything he can't do, Ben. I I don't know.
1: (laughs) Now Heath, man, we're so fortunate to have you on the
2: show this week. Wayne told me that you were going to be on uh, Monday and I said, man, a fellow color guy is going to be on. And uh, one of my favorite experiences of this past football season, um, all kidding aside was just talking with you before the Maribel Alcoa game, just a guy who really passionate about what you do. And uh, I really enjoyed our conversation before the game and, Uh, look forward to working with you this year but uh getting to my getting my question when you were a kid uh because i did this when i was a kid i'm curious if you did but uh i would i would be in in the living room calling games so my mom would kind of catch me like calling a game or or you know saying this player's about to do this and doing a full analysis of a video game or something like that did you ever do anything like that growing up
1: yeah i did um it was a little bit more when when uh my brother was playing video games and it was my turn to wait and let him play a little bit on the NCAA football but also I think I just always found the the uh, announcers fascinating in, in those football games um I remember one with the voice of Keith Jackson and that was I, I remember playing that when I was real little and I just always every time it got to that intro I remember just starting to mimic him, like, good afternoon, I'm Keith Jackson, and I would just like enjoy listening to how he did it, and little did I know at the time that maybe that was something later on I'd want to do, but uh, I just enjoyed it, and then my brother and I would play Madden, and sometimes he was playing, I would just sit there and pretend I was broadcasting his game, and uh, just kind of have fun with it, so yeah, it's something I'd say over time that developed, and I mean, I remember even... Um, You know, I don't know about you guys, but I used to love uh, Monday Night Football when they had that really cool intro growing up with Hank Williams Jr. and all the different ones they would create each week. And so right before I went to bed uh, on those nights for school nights, I would beg my parents and they would let me every Monday night stay up and watch the intro before I went to bed because I just wanted to hear what he did. So maybe that was not just the sports junkie, but the music junkie in me as well, the choir nerd, if you will. But I, I just loved that stuff.
2: I'm with you, man. Uh, This is Keith Jackson of ABC College
1: Football here today. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Loved listening to him and John Madden and Al Michaels together. were really fun uh, on Monday Night Football together. And, um, you know, now I really love listening to to Kirk Herbstreet. He's one of the guys I I, I could just really listen to his broadcasts all day.
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, it's funny, uh, you you know, of course, being in Tennessee, I think John Ward's always going to be a storyteller that people – people look to but it it's amazing how uh he almost made it real for people you know he, he kind of uh he he told things in a story that we understood there wasn't you know i think sometimes and it, i won't name any broadcasters because there's enough of them that they like to use really big football words uh, that in my opinion a lot of everybody everybody doesn't have a degree in in nfl football you know what i'm saying and so when they use like this route aim that You know, yes, if you are in that circle, that makes sense. But I feel like certain ones like Keith Jackson, John Ward, uh, and even even some new guys, uh, they say it in a way that, you know, people people understand it. So that's I think that's always intriguing when you're like, I can maybe do that. I could. You know what I'm saying? And so uh, I think that's a really cool story. But sorry to sidetrack you there. But I thought that was a cool thing because, again, I think everything builds what develops, right? Uh, yeah. You know, should you have not been a singer in high school and made that that kind of jump, what would – how would the voice have held up? Would you have been able to do full football games like almost immediately? You know, things like that kind of uh, change the dynamic, right? So, uh, so anyway, you're, you're in college. You've got your degree. One, did you ever call any University of Tennessee sports at all?
1: Um not officially um I had a one broadcasting sports broadcasting class where we were required to go to a to a sporting event during that season and record ourselves broadcasting. Um so we would get to sit in the media section and do that. Um they typically wanted us to be with a partner and do it together. Uh, the problem was with my UT singer schedule, my schedule didn't match up with anyone in my class, so I had to do it by myself. And so I went to uh, two Lady balls games um, when uh, the Great Pat Summit was still there and got to sit on media row and just had a recorder and sat there and recorded my broadcast and then um, got to go after to um, when they did the Q&A with the coaches and the players and got to experience that and interview some of them and then uh, would turn that into uh, the teacher and have him review it and critique it.
0: So, so when you were in college, journalism, uh, electronic media, the broadcasting kind of concentration when, you know, cause in college, I feel like it's a, it's a road, right? Like you're, you're traveling on it. Cause I, I, I started college as an elementary teacher, uh, like an elementary education major. And I ended with organizational management common core may have had a, a couple different punches to do with that, but well, well, I digress, but, um, was there any time in, in your time in college that either, A, you were like, maybe journalism isn't my jam, or maybe broadcasting isn't my jam, or or I guess, was there a time where you just said, yep, yep, I'm where I need to be?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think questioning ourselves at time is is kind of normal. I think a lot of people do that, and I think going through college, you know, you're trying to really figure out who you are. You know, you get out of high school and You know, you kind of been under the parents' umbrella, and now you get into college and are really just trying to figure out yourself um, and how you kind of fit into the puzzle of the world. And so um, I think for me, there was certainly a lot of that. Um, I think um, going through, you know, one of the things I found uh, when I went is that a majority of the classes uh, focused on journalism versus broadcasting. And what I had anticipated was going to be a lot of broadcasting, and instead it was a lot of writing and going to um, government board meetings and writing stories and and doing things like that, that, um, I, I, it really wasn't my passion. Uh, I knew that. And so I think I just, I kind of, I did question throughout college. Well, you know, am I making the right moves? Am I doing the right things? Is this going to be a field that I'm not going to be able to crack? Because what we learned through, um, college as we got older and older throughout the years is that you kind of had to be a reporter or a journalist, um, before you could really kind of work your way up into maybe that ESPN Sports Center broadcaster type of role. And what really got popular as well during my college years was former athletes becoming broadcasters. So not only were people taking a long time to make climb the ladder, if you will, and become a broadcaster, but now athletes were taking those positions as well. And so I think that I was I was definitely questioning myself and wondering, well, man, like, this has gotten even harder. Is this going to be the right path for me? And, um, you know, God works in mysterious ways and and it's not my full-time job. I I do have a full-time job outside of broadcasting, but I've been really blessed uh, with the opportunity to be able to still live out my passion as much as possible.
0: Yeah. We call that, uh, we call that daytime job. That's your daily grind. (laughs) And you got the evening grinds with the, with the projects, but, uh, but, uh, but, 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 Heath, so obviously you get through college, uh, you're you're kind of getting into the workforce, doing different things. What was kind of the big break that got you, got you on the on the field in the press box? What what got you into to actually doing the deed in broadcasting?
1: Yeah, so um, throughout college, I was uh, broadcasting high school sports. Um, So that was one of those things where uh, after uh, the Heritage football season, my senior year of high school, we obviously didn't make the playoffs. I was telling my guidance counselor, you know, I really want to go into broadcasting. I want to be a sports broadcaster. And it just so happened that her fiance and some of his buddies had just started a, a radio team covering high school football in the fall. And they were going through their very first season of doing it. And uh, having a lot of fun. And it was just a bunch of friends, including Marty Millsaps, one of our dear friends of the program that we know. And some of his friends from uh, a a local newspaper that used to be out here called The Blunt today. Mm -hmm. And so um, they were doing that together. And she said, let me get in touch with them and see if they need any help. So they they got in touch with them. And during that time, uh, I got to join them the last couple games of the playoffs and kind of be a stats guy. and and do stats on my computer. And the first couple of times I would try to write it down very quickly on a piece of paper, try to put it together for them. And uh, I quickly learned that that was really hard to do and and I couldn't keep up. And so uh, funny enough, you know, your parents always tell you that too much time on the video games is gonna hurt your brain or hurt your eyes. But I I like to believe that it was actually a really big help for me, um, because what I did is I went back to my NCAA football game and said, what are the most important stats that NCAA keeps up with. And sure. I'm gonna translate that into a system on Excel. And so I looked at that and created my own stat system on Excel and helped me keep uh, a, a much better job of staying uh, on top of the stats throughout the ball game. And uh, I was able to come on on the pregame show for the first few years where I would give my prediction, um, talk about each team and I would reach out to the ADs that week. I would have them send me stats. I would have them send me rosters. Um, and I would kind of do all the, the grunt work, if you will, for the team. And then I would come on at halftime, talk about stats, give them a brief analysis of what I thought happened in the game and what I thought needed to happen for both teams to be successful moving into the second half. And then I would come on and do my postgame stats as well. And so first couple of years I got to do that midway through college, um, ESPN radio came calling and wanted to cover what we were doing. And they decided they wanted to cover two different schools. And so they covered Alcoa and William Blunt. And at the time, um, Marty let me venture off. And I called William Blunt for a year and had a broadcaster broadcast with me. And I got to do play-by-play and really grow um, during that year. I think it was maybe my junior year of college. And so I got to do that. And around that same time, kind of weaving it all together, um, Eric Etchison from Marable College had reached out to me. Um, Because I had done an internship with them and asked if I was interested in PA announcing some soccer because they needed some help with that. So I said, well, sure, I've never PA announced soccer before, but why not? So um, I started doing that around that time and started building that relationship then with the Scots. And so um, after that year, ESPN Radio Knoxville disbanded and left. And so we came back together and just decided to cover primarily Alcoa. Um, because two years prior to that, it was kind of just the game of the week. And we would bounce around to different high schools in Blount County. Um, But they had done Alcoa solely the year before, wanted to keep that train rolling. And so I came back over, the color commentary guy decided he didn't want to do it anymore because he wanted to focus on his kids. And so I got to just like slide into that role. And Marty and I have really been doing that ever since. And so that's kind of where we've gotten to grow with Alcoa and build some great relationships in the community because we've been broadcasting for them, I'd say over 10 years now, Um, but Maryville College, you know, in my latter college years was where I did PA announcing, and then I slowly started moving into some other broadcasting roles there.
0: And and so at the high school ranks, you know, I always say, you know, some of the way I got into broadcasting, podcasting, radio, all the different things, really, I didn't know, (laughs) nobody gave me a book on how to, how to get into, to doing anything you know you just kind of trial and error figure it out kind of like the stat situation with you uh but how much do you think that's helped you kind of as you've went through and and obviously you're still a very young guy uh but how much has it prepared you for situations uh while you've been broadcasting to where maybe uh, you have to do a less prepared situation but you're still able to to make a good show out of it
1: man i tell you high school football um has really prepared me just to be able to learn how to how to uh, adjust on the fly, um, just in life in general. I would say with work and other things I do, and how to how to stay calm under pressure because there's a lot of times, especially at that level, or maybe the equipment you're working with, um, it could be great one week and it could be faulty the next week. And I mean, you got to figure it out, and sure. um, you've got a fan base maybe who's preparing to listen to you, and you've been hyping up the game all week, and and now it's not working and you've got 10 <laughs> minutes before kickoff and you've got to figure it out and you've got to call the, the engineer and talk to them about what's going on. And, um, you know, some uh, people, uh, you know, don't handle that well and, and others can stay a little bit cooler under pressure. And um, I try to pride myself in, in staying as calm as possible because I think losing your temper is just going to cause you to panic and cause you to, to really kind of lose sight of what you're doing and sometimes mess things up further and so um, I think that's important and I think it's taught me a lot just in in life is you know sometimes life's going to throw you curveballs and it may be a really quick thing that you've got to pivot from and I think high school's really helped with that and I think over the years as well (coughs) excuse me you know when we travel on away games now I've probably got more things in my car than I need to have but I am ready for almost anything (laughs) And a lot of times, if it's a decent drive away from my house or anything like that, I'm probably also going to leave extremely early to get there. And I'm going to know what things are near there. So if I need to go to Lowe's or need to go to the dollar store or I need to go, you know, I need to go get food like we are prepared because, you know, back in the day early on in my uh, broadcasting career, not that I'm that old, but, you know, when I say that, but early on in the broadcasting career, almost every game you go to, they'd feed you. And so you could expect, hey, there'd be a pregame meal and I'd be ready to rock and roll. But, but now a lot of places don't do that. And in COVID I think has some to play into that. And then other things is just in regards to getting sponsorships, because everyone's looking for help you know, with different things, whether it be Girl Scout cookies or some other fundraiser. And so it's hard for everyone to be able to give up their money and their time to help you and, and maybe even give out all the food. So um, you find a lot more now that most places don't have uh, pregame meals. And so that's another reason on away games, I like to get there early because I want to get there. I want to set up, I want to make sure it's working. And then that gives me time to go somewhere nearby, grab a quick bite to eat and probably bring it back. And then just sit there and kind of take it in because I I love nothing more than to get to a game early, set up and have time to just sit back and just think about the game and just kind of let it sink in about what's going on. What have I studied this week? what's the field look like? What's, what's the energy look like? What are some of the people I've met and and what have they talked to me about, about this team that I can really maybe use at some point in the broadcast. So it gives me time to kind of reflect and really prepare as well.
2: So Heath, uh, I got to ask you this question. You brought, you brought up all the uh, additional equipment you bring and, you know, me working with Wayne, this, this made me think about this question. Um, Are how much, how many feet of, extension cord do you take on a on a road game. <laughs> I know Wayne is a plus fifty guy. Like are you a like yeah. sub fifty or plus fifty or
0: <laughs> and, and the only reason we know how much I take Heath is because we used every yard of it one time. <laughs> but, you know it was worth taking.
1: <laughs> yeah um so I would say I'd probably lean plus fifty as well. And the reason I would say that is because of one game and one game alone that I'll I'll never forget is um, two years ago when Alcoa played West and we traveled to West and it was a crazy game. Alcoa is- won it overtime, but what what a wild game! And um, we went, we got to West, and we were supposed to originally be in the press box. Well, um, it just so happened to be a Thursday night game. Uh, Rivalry Thursday was coming to cover it on television and also the Sports Animal was coming to cover it. So it was going to be a really big game with a lot of media coverage. And unfortunately we were the odd man out. And so we got there and they said, well, you're now going to be on the visitor side uh, in the stands. And, um, you know, there is uh, electricity on the light pole nearby. And I thought, Mm -hmm. okay, cool. it'll be right next to the, to the stands. I'll be able to hook it right up. I brought a tent with me to give us cover because there was they were calling for rain, so I was trying to prepare there. We even bought some some of those walls you put on your tent on the sides and like velcro it to the sides to protect us from the wind and the rain. And we went and bought some of those that week, preparing, you know, like you have to do for for the game. And and I got there with all my equipment and my tent and the walls, and, and I thought I was 100% ready to go. And uh, luckily, my brother was still on his way because we all got there and we were about an hour and a half, two hours early. You know, again, we wanted to be there and prepared, but we found that almost 50 feet away was the light pole that had the electricity. And so we were like, we don't have any cords that stretch that far. So I immediately had to call my brother and he um, he drove uh, to a hardware store and got one for it and brought it and we plugged it in and it worked, thank goodness. And we were praying the whole game that no one messed with it because it was just like this long string Going up to the top of the press box, and we were just like, "Please, no one pull the plug. Like, please let us have a hey. full broadcast." And luckily, we did, but it was a little scary.
0: So, Heath, uh, you want to know where uh, the game I used every feet, every foot, yard of cord that I had was?
1: Based on our conversations, I'm going to guess Pal
0: Knox West.
1: Oh, okay. Knox did you West. Do the same-, same thing.
0: Oh, so not the same scenario on why they just immediately put us over there. I, I don't know. Okay. I, I don't know. Uh, but we did the same thing, had a 10th, the whole deal. <laughs> but again, I, I roll heavy. And so we literally, it was probably, I don't even think it was one whole cord. I think it was either two or three cables put together. And we, at the, when we met them, we tied it in a knot and and then plugged it in so that if even because there were kids playing there all night, yeah. So if they tripped on their what on our cord, they wouldn't immediately pull it out. But anyway, yeah. So uh, no no uh, no disrespect to Knox West, but uh, they could uh, extend <laughs> power cords. But, uh, they, they So, so he, yeah, yeah. So learning, learning how to adapt, that's something that high school broadcasting, I think, I think any, any affiliation, whether it's the, the snack parent of the, of the football team, the, 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 the uniform guy or the radio crew, you got to be able to be versatile to what you got, the surroundings you had. We've been put on top of Powell high school uh, with Hornets, the size of Chihuahuas. I mean, it is you've had it all. But uh, yeah, made it through it uh, unscathed. But you talked about doing doing Alcoa for for multiple years uh, as a broadcaster. You know, I think anybody can point to a state championship game or what have you. Uh, but as a broadcaster, was there any time in that when you just kind of lost it for a minute and kind of became a fan? And and what kind of game was that? And and kind of give us a little story run back.
1: Well, not to. Um... Pouring salt on the wound, you two. Um, uh, but, as
0: I was asking the question, I was like, I had to
1: that. uh it be
0: 18s instead of like?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's been a lot of fun moments and, and a lot of cool things um, that I've seen over the years, I would say, from broadcasting at different venues. Um, I'll just share a couple with you, and then I'll kind of go into my favorite that you just talked about. But some of it's not even about the game. It's just about the... Um, the the people. Um, when I, th- I think about uh, Kingston, um, Kingston High School is probably one of my favorite places to, to go call a game at, and it's just because the people are so good to you. Um, they're extremely nice. They get you whatever you need. Um, I'll tell you what, my first time there, you know, talking about pregame meals, um, <laughs> walked in and they had barbecue and chicken all across the back table, and then at halftime, they brought us from next door sonic blasts and they just had they just brought in a ton of them and was like all right who wants oreo who wants imminent and they were like just passing them around and i was like this is incredible like (laughs) um you know i probably needed to go on a a run and do a weight workout afterwards but because i ate a lot but it was um it was really cool but it's not just about the food i mean anytime i reach out to them Um, they've always been super hospitable and helpful and got us whatever we've asked for they've always made sure we had enough room in the booth and and sometimes uh, you guys i'm sure know there's places where you got plenty of room and there's places where you got to make it work and maybe there's one seat maybe there's two if you're lucky but it's going to be a tight squeeze and if you bring anybody else um which typically i know you guys do and we do as well we've got to figure out what to do with those people whether it's putting them outside unfortunately or having them stand behind us or maybe one of us stands, um, and, and deals with the broadcast that way. But, um, Kingston is, was so great to work with. And, um, I believe they're back in our region this year. So I'm, I'm excited to be able to, to, to do stuff with them again this year. They're at our place, but I think we'll obviously go to them next year. And that'll be fun. Um, Webb high school, um, their press box is really cool because the glass goes across all the way and on the sides so you can see every angle so if the guy keeps running you don't miss the shot you don't miss the call because you can see it so they have glass on the sides of their windows and all the way across and it's an open press box so there's not like doors or walls so you can see everything and they actually have a broadcasting program or a media program so they had behind us students that were calling the game students on the field that were doing sideline reporting Um, it was legit Um, so and then. Dobbins Bennett, you get to take an elevator up with a media pass and fill yeah, all the it. Well, yeah. Scores, yeah. It's a pretty cool place. And so, but, uh, but, but again, now, now I have to, to, to dig it in a little bit and I apologize, but, <laughs> um, last year, the Maribel Alcoa game, and it's always a fun game. It's literally my favorite game of the year, just because the rivalry and the passion and the people and the stories, there's so much to it, good or bad for Alcoa or Maribel. It's just fun. And, um, Last year, I, I did uh, become a fan. Um, near the end of that ball game, Jordan Harris picked off the ball and took it off. And when he did that, it was kind of the, you know, old NBA jam nail in the coffin. And uh, I, I saw him take off. And, and funny enough, uh, my, uh, my girlfriend's friend was, um, just so happened at the time, was sitting below us and decided to record me. And us broadcasting for a minute, and it was just perfect timing that she decided because all of a sudden you just see me go, 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 and I'm screaming in the broadcast like go, <laughs> and I'm just screaming, and I'm just locked in on Jordan. Right. And um, and it was funny. I, I talked to the coaches after the game, and he said, he said, yeah, when you s- I originally started, I was like, no, 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 don't go, get down, get down, because he was afraid he was going to lose the ball. <laughs> and he said, and about midway through, I knew he wasn't going to be touched, and so I was with you going, go go, go. And so uh, later after the ball game, they sent us the video and I got to watch kind of my experience from sure. a different viewpoint. And, uh, you know, th- that was where truly, you know, I was, I was a fan as well. And so, you know, a, a series that again, has gone back since about 1927 that Maryville has dominated and done a fantastic job with. And so it, it meant a lot uh, for us and, and for the community, but it was, it was a really cool, really cool game.
0: Yeah, you know it's funny. You know I didn't grow up in this area. Uh, I am a, an assimilated rebel. That's uh, what I tell people. But um, I'll say this: uh, anybody who asks me, they're like, "How's how's the Maryville-Alcoa rivalry?" You now, granted, that that would not be on my highlight of, uh, of of my broadcasting time. But I understand where you're at. But uh, I tell people all the time: if Maryville-Alcoa in high school football. It doesn't get any bigger, and I said, if if that doesn't fire you up, if Maribel Alcoa doesn't fire you up, then your wood must be wet, because it's just it's one of those situations to where it's it's all week uh, that that very game week, and then it's 364 days for the other team to just you can you can say what you want, but that night was ours or was yours or, or whatever that looks like. And so uh, working at our, our daily grind, uh, really all four high schools are represented, but uh, that week hits a little different. And so, yeah, absolutely. Great, great environment. Honestly, uh, I had people that uh, that had never seen Maryville play and never heard me broadcast, and I had them at that game. Uh, mm-hmm. just, just timing and scheduling worked out. And at the end of the thing, yeah, I was upset we lost, and, you know, it, it is what it is. But I was like, I don't know that you could have seen a better football game.
1: Because yeah. Because at
0: the end of the day, Maryland's driving. If if they make something happen, then that's kind of a it's a push there at the end to see what happens. But um, but anyway, great uh, great memory. Uh, either way, uh, yeah. unbelievable football game there. But so high school football has really kind of molded you to where, where you're at. You you have a lot of tools in your tool belt. Uh, based on what uh, Alcoa and, and your high school broadcasting has done for you. But tell us how how the Maryville College thing, you, you talked about starting as a PA guy, but mm-hmm. now you are, I, I think there's other people that do some broadcasting at Maryville College, but in general, you're the voice of the Scots. And so how do you get from part-time PA to the voice of the Scots?
1: um i would say the the man upstairs first and foremost i mean really finding some favor with him and i appreciate that um you know a lot but uh, i would say as well just the relationships and and the people you know and the things you do and and being patient um that was that's hard um you know when when i first got there you know i think there was this thought of you know well maybe you know if i do this really well maybe the next couple years i'll be able to be the guy um, but it took a little longer than that. So I started off doing soccer PA for men's and women's soccer. And, and in spring, I got to do some softball PA. Um, then the following year, um, Greg Judkins, who's really the main PA, uh, not only for the Maribel Rebels, but for the Maribel College of and does a phenomenal job. He's a great guy. Um, Had more time to be able to do softball again. So I moved back for a year or two just doing primarily soccer again. Um, and uh, the broadcaster at the time that covered most of the main sports, um, if he was ever sick, I would be able to get an opportunity here and there to be able to fill in, whether it was a football game or a basketball game. Um, and then about, I'd say about four or five years in, um, they decided to give me the reins of women's basketball. And so, uh, that was the first sport at Memorial college. I really became a broadcaster at the collegiate level. Um, and, uh, before that, I'd say the year before that, um, the women had made the NCAA tournament and got to host. Uh, the first and second round of the Division Three uh, tournament, and they called me uh, maybe a couple days before and said, "Hey, our um, broadcaster sick. Would you be interested in calling the game?" And I was like, uh, "Absolutely!" <laughs> like, what do I have to do? And so, um, so it was a unique experience. You know, I, I dressed up really nice, wanted to really look the part because you're calling an NCAA like tournament game, um, and uh, got my media pass that had that on there, and I still have that. Um, probably in here somewhere hanging up and um and so got to call that game by myself and, and it was a lot of fun and uh, I actually called I think a couple games because I called uh ours and I think I may have called the one after and then called the following day as well um but then uh the I believe the next year or so is when I'd be able was able to become the women's uh full-time broadcaster and uh, at that time I was allowed to pick a broadcast partner of who I wanted to do it with and um you know, uh, Marty Millsaps and I do it at the high school level and uh, we were a great team. And I think we've really grown closer and closer each year and gotten more and more comfortable with our style and how we operate together uh, as bro- a broadcast team and knowing kind of how to play off of each other. But at the college level, I thought, you know, this is the first time I've ever really kind of gotten to think about who I want to do this with. And Marty's a pretty busy guy. And so I thought, well, he may not have time to do this. Who else can I do it with? And, um, you know, Funny enough, the more I thought about it, the more I just kept coming back to my dad. And uh, he is not a um, he's not a broadcaster, if you will. And that's not really his passion. But to be but to be able to have conversation with him and we talk sports all the time, um, I thought it would be a really cool treat and a a, a unique fit. And I thought we'd give it a go. And uh, my dad um, has taken over that role and really done a great job of it. And I think we, we balance each other really well. Not just because we're father and son and we know each other, but he's much more technical. So he can tell you what the ref is calling, why they're calling it, what the rule is, where I'm going to be more of the energy. And so I'm going to bring that energy, but then if there's something I don't understand, he's going to be able to step in and kind of really explain that in in detail. Mm. And um, not only that, but I think just watching his growth, uh, not only as our stats guide for high school football, but as the broadcaster with me at Maribel College, he really, he takes it seriously. And I appreciate that. Um, you know, when he gets in chat uh, forums and asks Excel questions and looks, <laughs> up, looks up NCAA and high school stats and how people would actually do it the correct way. Or if this happens in the game, how do you, what's that stat? Or do they use r- rushing yards? Or what does that look like? And yeah. he knows, he will say, hey, I looked at this this week and here's how I'm going to start doing it. And I'm like, sounds great to me, dad. And he's worked really hard in his Excel system kind of took what I made, took it to a whole nother level. Um, and then, you know, at the college level, he does a lot of research. Um, one of the ways we kind of have learned to play off of each other is I really prepare for the game as a whole, but do a lot of time studying the home team. And he does a lot of time studying the visiting team. And then he will also get some history on the school and when they were established and, what their colors are and where they got their name and all of that. And so he'll kind of give a history lesson throughout the game. And then we talk about stats and give our analysis. And so it's, it's been really fun. And I'm really blessed to be able to do that with him. And um, we, so we've done men's, women's basketball for a long time. And then over the last couple of years, uh, we were able to take the reins of uh, football and also men's basketball. And then last season, I started calling some uh, baseball and softball games, and I do softball by myself. Um, We do men's, women's basketball, football, and baseball together. And then I also, for the first time ever, broadcasted soccer and volleyball last year at Maryville College as well. So a lot of sports, a lot of learning, but a whole lot of fun. So what I
2: admire about you the most right there, Heath, which you just went over, um, you talked about it a little bit earlier in the show is the prep work there's so much prep work that that we put in and and you put in going into like a Friday night ball game it just blows me away that you know at the college level with the Scots how, how do you keep up with how are you keeping up with okay you know you've got a couple sports that overlap you know these this team is doing this and the recruiting um you know and then this team is is doing this so how do you keep up with all these sports
1: at the same time and it's tough. And I think, um, you know, at times it's just really trying to figure out my schedule and where I can fit what in. And, um, you know, I would be lying if I said the fall season is not exhausting at times, but um, the grind, if you will, is, is also worth it. And it's a lot of fun. And um, I, last year was unique because, like I was saying a moment ago, um, you know, after talking to Maryville College in the offseason leading into last year, school year, they said, hey, we want to cover more sports. And uh, we're going to give you the opportunity to pick which ones you want to do. And then whatever you don't cover, we'll fill in the gaps. And so I had never broadcasted soccer before. I had never broadcasted volleyball before. Um, Baseball and softball, I I knew more about because of growing up playing it. But I still hadn't really truly broadcasted it before. I had done PA announcing for soccer, but that's a whole lot different. You're you're announcing the starting lineups. You announce who scores and who made the assists. And you keep up with the clock and start and stop it when you need to but there's not really an analysis of the game as a pa announcer and so truly understanding the game was something that was foreign to me just kind of like the game of soccer is and so um you know one of the, the kind of funny ways i did it to really make it enjoyable for myself to learn the game and, and i tell people this and they laugh and, and but it's true is i started watching ted lasso leading into soccer season and i thought well you know, I'm just curious, could I learn something from this? Maybe I can, maybe I can, but let's just give it a shot because this will be a unique way to do it. It's a show about soccer. Maybe I'll learn a term or two that I can pick up and use in my broadcast. And what was cool is I kind of found myself, in a sense, relating to Ted, where this guy was a football guy. He had never really done soccer before. He's now taking over a team that he really doesn't understand the game and he is learning as he goes. And so he's picking up phrases, he's picking up terms and different things that, that he's also learning just like me. And so I enjoyed that and it was a really cool show and I, and I loved it. Um, and I also, you know, talking about preparation um, for volleyball and soccer, I printed a glossary that I found online of just terms and their definitions and what they meant and then maybe different formations and what those look like and trying to just better understand it, but also taking that packet with me to the game so that throughout the game, maybe I could find a word or two that I could just say, okay, these two words I really wanna focus on tonight and try to learn how to use them in my broadcast and just take each week uh, week on a week to week basis and get better. And if I can use those two or three terms a few times, get comfortable with them, That'll start to, as Wayne talked about earlier, add to my tool belt of soccer. And then I'll try a couple other new terms. And eventually maybe I'm starting to use four, five, six, seven, eight terms in a game because I'm starting to really understand what they mean. And so I did that with those sport. Volleyball was a little bit easier because it's very fast paced. Um, but soccer is a, a slower game and it's just really kind of all about rhythm and, and finding those openings and taking advantage when you see them, um, and controlling the pace. And so it was, it was a learning curve for me, but um, not only is the staff amazing at Mirabel College, but uh, the, the parents are as well. And so I had a few parents that were near me that found out it was my first year covering, and they came up during a halftime and just, just talked to me, spent some time with me, gave me some advice, told me different things they knew about soccer, and said if I needed anything, they were there for me. So, um, you know, it, well, I, I, I joked around last year, I, I coined the phrase, if you will, Um, When I was uh, in basketball season with Coach Placeris, I said, it means a lot to be a Scott. And I think for me, it's so true because everything I've learned since being there is that it's just such a family. People love and care about each other and are truly invested in helping everyone elevate what they do.
0: Uh, You know, Ben, uh, one thing that we haven't touched on, and I think this is big, is because at Maryville College, uh, it is a video broadcast, correct? Mm Mm-hmm. And so there's a big difference between a TV broadcaster or a video broadcaster and a radio broadcaster. Mm -hmm. So how was that like learning that they can see it, Heath, that you don't have to tell them what color their Jersey is or, or different things like just small pieces that when you're on the radio beat, you know, you have to say, you know, He, you know, his jersey's dirty because he's been on the ground a lot tonight or the flag's flying in a certain direction or blah, 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 blah. You don't have to do that in the video side of things. Was there a transition where you kind of had to tune a little bit or and now is that a pretty seamless transition?
1: Um, I would say it's it's constantly a work in progress. I think there's a lot of opportunity to continue to get better. Um, I think for me, usually early on in a season – I have to remind myself that I'm not on the radio, um, but also at the same time, um, there's you're not always, um, I would say, at that level, gonna catch every angle with camera. And so at times too, I can kind of use my my skill set from the radio world and really be able to go into a description and be able to explain stuff. And we find other things we talk about too, like we talk about, you know, maybe at the beginning of the game, like, hey, it's it's a it's cool, cool seventy eight degrees here as we're starting to kind of creep our way into the fall, the wind's got a slight breeze, you know, pulling to the right, like talking about some different things we're seeing with the weather, what we're seeing with the fans um, and being able to describe those. And, um, you know, there's also just human error sometimes where maybe a camera goes out or maybe it doesn't go all the way covering the play. Maybe someone accidentally missed a step. We all make mistakes. And so there's been times where even, you know, someone's not at the game and listening um, that they, um maybe need that description and uh i think a couple times too i've talked to parents in different sports that especially basketball that sometimes will say hey you know we'll we'll put it on our computer or we'll put it on our tv and, and, and do stuff and listen and so for me i'm like okay well now that i know that you know i i think that description is even more important so i would say there's a huge drop off um of what you describe um sure. i think yeah to a degree maybe but i, I think as well um that sometimes having that extra description can be beneficial.
0: Sure. Sure. Um, so lost my train of thought, like completely right there. Like it just went pew. I got it back. I got it back. But, uh, so, so heath. all of this, uh, all of these projects, all these sports, all of this activity and growth, uh, you've, you've managed to build a brand around it. Uh, okay. it's on your t-shirt. Uh, it's too hype sports. Uh, it, it's a brand that you've, uh, you kind of coined, I think, several years ago. I want to say on, on Facebook or something, I think it says, Did you kick it off in 17?
1: I did, so, yeah. 17. 2017.
0: And so you, you've kind of built that. And, and honestly, over the last year and a half, two years, uh, it's just, it, it's really kind of blown up just from uh, being a Friday night and a, and a retweet here or there kind of a system. Now, uh, I remember, what was it, last year or two years ago, you did Trench Work Thursday uh, where you highlighted local kids uh, on the offensive and defensive line across Blunt County. Uh, you've been able to go to, uh, to to media days or press releases. I know you were at the, uh, the presentation when uh, Brian Nix uh, was announced as a head coach at Alcoa, or at least I think maybe Marty was the, the contact there that day. But uh, you've been at the basketball uh, – media days, things, and done interviews with individual players. Uh, tell us a little bit about 2Hype, kind of what the, mm-hmm. the concept was when it launched, and then kind of where we can find it and, and, you know, what it's doing these days.
1: Yeah, so, um, you know, I couldn't have imagined when I originally started it that we'd be doing what we're doing today. Um, when I initially started it, um, what my goal was was for the parents or grandparents and relatives to, um, Maybe alumni and other just fans of the team of Alcoa football who couldn't come to the game uh, could keep it could kind of stay in the loop on how things were going on Friday nights. So it was really just more of a, a scoring update account. And I uh, I created it on Twitter and I created it on Facebook and um, where it got its name was uh, Alcoa has a chant before their games. <laughs> Kind of like if you've ever watched Remember the Titans and the chant they do. So I would say it's certainly similar. Uh, Alcoa has a chant before the game that's called Too Hype. And um, I, I just kind of took it from that and, and really more of like an uh, honor of that, if you will, and decided to call it Too Hype Sports and, and focus on Alcoa and um, give scoring updates throughout the game. And that first year or two, that was really primarily the focus. And we would up the ante and try to do little things here and there with it for fun. Um, but in the off season, you know, I would see things like players retweeting or are tweeting out, you know, maybe their scholarship offers or other things that they were doing and opportunities they were getting. And really, you know, the more I watched that, the more I thought, man, these kids aren't getting the love they deserve and, and the praise for all of this hard work. And so I saw an opportunity, um, especially in Blount County, which is kind of a majority of my life I've been been living here. Um, and and been a heritage kid. So I I know what it's like to to live in the county and maybe not get all the coverage, not get all the love. And so um, I I saw it as something I could really be able to shine a light on. And one of the things with 2Hype that I wanted from that point on to really make a priority too is that a lot of sports media outlets tend to critique and tend to compare um, and do a lot of those things that can sometimes be negative and, and not great to some players and good to others. And um, can be maybe, maybe detrimental as well to these young kids and um and that wasn't something i wanted to do i heard a great quote recently and this is not just something that I could pertain to too high but i mean it's something that pertains to my life when i kind of get in my head and, and and think i'm not good enough or think or start comparing to other people is um the quote was uh, comparison is the thief of joy and, and i heard it on, on a um on a on a espn show talking about The basketball greats and they were going back and forth and everyone was naming their their favorite of all time and they got to one guy and he said, you know, I believe that comparison is the thief of joy, that there's so much different things going on in these eras and styles that it's hard to truly say who's the best because there's so many factors. And I think, you know, you can use that in your own life, that You know, there's we spend sometimes too much time in our heads thinking we're not good enough or this person's better or trying to be like someone else. And what happens is, you know, we get depressed and we get down and and maybe it slows us down from being who we're supposed to be and, and utilizing our strengths and capitalizing on what makes us unique. And if we realize that all it's doing is stealing our joy and instead be able to kind of lean into that happiness and who we are and what makes us great. We could, we could do so much more. And so for Two Hype, that was kind of the point is to be a positive platform that loves and appreciates and hypes just like the name our student athletes. And the ultimate goal is to, to get to a point in time where we are a, a premier source for sports in Blount County, where we're covering all the schools out here, including good old Greenback that unfortunately, I think kind of gets stuck in this world where, you know, Loudon doesn't really claim them and, and, and are they in Blount County? But I've had people from around the area that when I first started doing stuff, asked for green greenback information, but I said, you know, like, I'm not going to leave them out. Like, I'm going to bring them into the fold and they've done, done stuff with Blount County anyway. So I believe they're, they're part of the crew. And So um, I've been able to go to a couple different county games, uh, you know, each year trying to get involved a little bit more and starting to get involved more with Alcoa sports as well. Um, but it's grown to what it is today, and, and, and I hope that in the future, eventually, I can bring some more people into the circle and be able to have more 2Hype members who can kind of help me cover these other schools and be kind of primary sources for each one under the 2Hype umbrella and, right. and, and really make sure that we are helping these kids, highlighting these kids. And, and the last thing I'll say about it, and, and I think that that means the most to me, is, is seeing the impact that it has made on these young men and women. Um, you know, I've had kids from from other counties reach out to me um, from time to time and say, hey, I'm, I'm posting this huddle video. Would you mind to retweet it? Would, would you mind to take a look at it? And I'm like, yeah, man, like that that takes no time at all. I'd, be, I'd love to help you. And so, you know, I'll go watch their huddle video and then I'll find something nice to say about what I saw and what my analysis was and I'll quote, tweet it, I'll say it and I'll get it out. And, you know, over time, as we've Uh, As our Alcoa athletes have been able to go on and graduate and do great things, there's been coaches uh, and assistant coaches and recruiting coaches that have slowly started to follow our brand. So I believe that the more that that happens and the more that I can highlight and hype these kids up, the more opportunities we're creating for our kids to be able to go on and do great things.
0: I don't know that I can add anything to that, Ben. (laughs) I uh, I just think he's got a good thing going.
1: Well, I'll tell you
2: guys, I mean, and this is – I don't like to talk about myself, but I definitely want to uh, brag about both of you guys. And, and I don't want to brag so much to, because we got these small screens. I don't want your heads to get real <laughs> um, But all i don't
0: hold mine in.
2: All kidding aside, <laughs> he, you, you alluded to it earlier about, you know, the Alcoa game and your passion. And, and you talked about that passion and that ball game. And, and I've had the pleasure of working with Wayne – um, I think if you're passionate in what you do and it becomes part of you, it becomes part of you while you watch the ball game or while you are are uh, encouraging other kids in the area, I think you're going to be successful. I think if your heart's in it um, and, and your emotions are in the ball game or in with that student athlete, um, only good things can happen. And both you guys do that. I'm not going to talk about myself, but – both you guys do do a really good job with that.
0: Ben sings. Ben Ben is a
2: vocal. He is a vocal promoter. Now I will brag. I will brag about my singing. Yes, I
1: will. <laughs> we'll have to we we'll to start a uh, two hype and grind uh, choir in a minute, or start an acapella group pretty soon. You better watch out.
2: Yeah, yeah I, I
1: start with Tracy
2: Lawrence, and I work back to Merle Haggard is what I. Okay. do. Somewhere in there's Dwight Yoakam, but
0: it's yeah. If we start a singing Lawrence, group, I'll just Dwight run the Yoakam. sound. How about that?
1: Yeah, <laughs> be the man. Well, well man I, I really do appreciate it um, I, I really do appreciate the kind words I think kind of like I told you I think it's it's easy um, if I could you know ever give anyone any advice it would be like is it, it's important to stay humble and to continue to grind and, and work constantly to get better because um, you're not perfect and no one is but also sometimes give yourself a little bit of grace and uh, I think that's a hard thing um, I'm very critical of myself, even if it's even if someone tells me it's the greatest broadcast they've ever heard. I could probably tell you 10 to 20 things I know that I messed up on. And right. um, and so I think it's 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 so nice um, to be able to meet the parents. I didn't, you know, after a ball game or after, you know, especially at Maryville College, we've been able to really get to meet some of these parents who typically live in another state and have come to a game or two to see their kid, but usually have to listen online so they you know unfortunately haven't listened to me and my dad a whole lot but (laughs) make a bunch of dad jokes go back and forth but but they they come and they say hey you know we this is our our one weekend we get to be in town and typically we're listening back at home and we just want to tell you how much we appreciate you and what a great job you do and i think it's it's nights like that that not i wouldn't say goes to my head i think it's more of a i walk out with my dad and i go man that, that was just so nice to hear Sure. And, and it's and it means a lot and uh, um, so it's easy to, to think you know we're not good enough at times but I think we have to give ourselves some grace and kind of just find that middle ground which can be hard at times but uh, it's been a lot of fun and uh, you know I live in Alcoa now i um, used to live uh, a little bit closer Foothills Mall but now I live over here in, in Alcoa and I just love the community I love the people and uh, over the years building those relationships you know I can walk the streets down and someone may honk their horn you know and wave at me or I go down the street and someone's like hey I'm too hype and I'm just I kind of laugh and I'm like hey man but I get to also see these kids grow up you know we've got some kids now that are doing some big things at the collegiate level and um, you know we had one that one or two that recently transferred to other schools and um, from time to time, being able to reach out to them or if I think one of them maybe going through a tough time, I may just check on them and I may just reach out and let them know they're like, hey, you know, two hypes, two hypes still here for you. And, and this is not just a platform to talk about your athleticism, but also a platform to let you know, like, you're loved and you're cared for. And this is a community that has your back.
0: Man, a uh, little, little look behind the curtain, Mr. Heath, and uh, it's been a good one. Um, a lot of uh, a lot of stories like I said I, I think everybody they knows you they know you via two hype or, or through Maryville College uh, but sometimes how you get there is part of the reason why you are the way you are and that that mm-hmm. seems to be the case here so appreciate you sharing the stories uh, again Too hype and mr Dunkel is always welcome on the grind uh, I may do a little uh you know as the season progresses uh, maybe maybe look at a little Uh, mayorville Alcoa preview maybe bring you on that week uh we'll we'll just try to see how we can uh, bring two hype in the grind together a little bit more from time to time
1: well i definitely appreciate it guys um really an honor um to be able to come on the show and and share my story like you said wayne it you know typically it's it's not about us we're we're broadcasting and hyping up these kids and these athletes talking about them and so um, not an opportunity that we do often um, but it's truly appreciated and and i'm I'm really humbled and, and honored by the fact you guys thought of me.
2: Good deal. Ben, you got anything? Heath, we appreciate you so much, man. Uh, really enjoyed the conversation. And uh, if you need any extension cord, uh, we're, not, <laughs> we're not but a phone call away. We'll get you some.
1: Hey, that sounds um, good to me. We'll, we'll need to hang out uh, before the maryland alco game, not just on game day and just catch up. Right. Guys. Yes, sir.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. But episode 22 has told you that it means a lot to be a Scott with Mr. Heath uncle and, uh, appreciate it. Uh, great story. If you, if you like this episode, check out others again, episode 22, but we've talked, uh, to Charlie Paleo, to Derek Hunt, uh, all the way through, uh, Tony Iruly, another Scott, uh, and so there's a lot to be had if you like what you heard here tonight. Uh, you can check us out on YouTube. Obviously, is where the channel is, uh, but Facebook and Twitter as well. But that'll be all for tonight. But he thanks again for Ben Metz, Heath Uncle. I'm Wayne Kaiser. And take care. Be safe. And, yes, grind on.